Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. This week, I'm joined by two special guests, Stealth and Don Koopman. How are you both doing? Glad to have you on. Good. I feel good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been 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 a while. Um, been a been a hot minute. Um, Nintendo has uh, has had a lot of games come out recently. A lot of, a lot of good games. Um, we just had the Game Awards. A lot of, a lot of game stuff going on. Like the end of the year is always so busy. Um, but I wanted to ask you a quick question that's not related to video games or even Nintendo to start off here because this is a big thing for me and they, they just had a big development as well. Um, Netflix's Cowboy Bebop getting canceled so quickly after, <laughs> after season one. Cause I yeah. mean, I know so many people love Cowboy Bebop and I'm, I'm one of those people who just love the anime and mm. I watched the show and I was, I was like, you know what? I could, I could see more of this. It wasn't, it wasn't like God. I want this to like. I hate this, but I am shocked with how much push, how much marketing that it did not meet the Netflix metrics to warrant yeah. a second season that quickly after its release. For, for me, I think the strongest opinion I have on that because I did watch it all the way through is that I thought the soundtrack was really good because it was mm -hmm. from the same guy. But outside of that, I don't really have strong feelings either way. Maybe that's the main issue. It didn't provoke anything in me. Ah, that, that's a good point, actually. People are just so indifferent about it. I mean, they might not be willing to watch, you know, they want people to have, like, whether it's positive or negative, to have strong reactions. But at the same time, I did see, it's weird, because I saw right. so many positive reactions, but also just as many negative reactions to this show. Yeah. So I, I'm always the kind of guy who keeps it on their level. So I think my indifference tells you mostly enough where I don't really have strong negative positive feelings either way. The only <laughs> thing I can remember is, oh yeah, the soundtrack was really good. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I have very like strong feelings about the anime. It's one of my favorite anime of all time. Um, I'll be honest, I watched like the first couple episodes and I just couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> um, I'm I'm, I was, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to like manga adaptations to other mediums um i will say this it's no death note yeah it's true that's true that's true but yeah i mean i, I agree with don the music was the best part of it but the acting and and the story i was very very indifferent to so mm. um so on, on a quality standpoint i wasn't shocked that it didn't make it but yeah from a standpoint of all the marketing and all the attention this got uh, i am a little surprised but, mm. but that seems to be how even television goes. Like, if you don't get the ratings, you're canceled after a season. Yeah. I mean, it's just how the industry works. It's just, I thought how much discussion it was getting on social media. I was just convinced. I'm like, it's probably getting a season two. And it's like, that's all they probably planned for is two seasons. So I imagine they're going to see this through because Netflix seems to give everything two seasons pretty much. So I think that was a little bit shocking as well is that, you know, Netflix is also kind of, backing off you know just being handing out cash to everybody and saying like oh we'll give you like two or three seasons despite no matter what they're right. being a little bit more selective and, and, and i'm 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 with you don um and like or, uh, sorry uh stealth about when it comes to cowboy bebop 
I was very like skeptical about this uh, live action adaptation. I will say I had a fun time watching this go down. Mm-hmm. Um, not, 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 not reveling in like its failure. Not, not, don't get me wrong. I wanted sure, there to yeah. be a season two. Um, it was just interesting to see someone else's take on this. But it was like it felt like. You were saying you're indifferent, non, because like yeah. either positive or good. To me, it felt like this just didn't pick a side of what it to, what its identity wanted to be. It was either trying Maybe to be like yeah. too too much like the anime at some points, yeah. and then other points like we don't want to be like it. And I'm like, you, you kind of can't have both here. What do you do? Like this is so confusing. And then I think sometimes the the, the writing gets in the way, as you said. Like the actors are trying to do what they can with some of that dialogue. Like I like the jet. And uh, and Spike interactions a lot. Like, there's some really good moments there. Mm. But on the other side, like everything to do with the Syndicate and Vicious just sucked. I'm sorry, it was just trash. Like, I absolutely hated all of those things, except for maybe the backstory on Spike, like why he left the Syndicate was kind of interesting to see that explored a little bit. But otherwise, like Vicious was just like to me was just terrible. I, I don't know. Like, it was like the biggest character assassination since Zant being like doing his like breakdown at the end of twilight princess to me i was like well no this is such a good villain what are you doing i was like no Mm. (laughs) oh but yeah um yeah the just so i guess like no not 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 really feeling too strongly about there not being a season two then huh like you're 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 fine with like yeah 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 i'm over it uh, at least the anime's on Netflix still, so you can go. <laughs> you know, feel free to watch that. The whole streaming landscape is so weird now, man. Especially when I look at the United States, how many services you guys have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because some stuff that's, for example, on Peacock or somewhere else is still on European Netflix. I envy, so for, for, I envy so for, it. So for us, it's it's still manageable. For we're getting another one next year from a Swedish company for a lot of sports stuff, which also creates a more of a bigger bubble. At some point this is going to burst, right? Like the entire to. streaming bubble, yeah, this entire streaming bubble is going to burst at some point. It can't sustain all these things. Like I mean, because of these companies want them to be huge. Like if they were willing to have like a niche following, I I could see like a lot of these being able to survive with like a more dedicated fan base but a smaller size, but these right. are major conglomerates and they're not they're like no, we need to be the biggest. We need to be huge. Like hmm. I worry about like stuff like Peacock and like Paramount Plus. There's just like you already have these other established players who are kind of there first and like HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu, they're, they're, like Plus. even Disney Plus. I'm like these are the ones that are probably going to stick around. All these other spinoff ones are the ones that are probably going to have to succumb and make deals to put their catalog on these other uh, these streaming platforms. So, uh, I, I, I understand. Yeah, has having all these choices, it gets kind of frustrating because once upon a time here in the U.S., we did have most everything was just on Netflix, and I was like, that was nice. And yeah, now it's it was just, nice for a while. <laughs> it was nice for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. Cowboy Bebop. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch the anime. Um, it's is one of the best recommended <laughs> gateway animes for people because it's like easier to digest. A lot of pop culture stuff in it, at least from the late '90s era mm. pop culture, um, and a fantastic soundtrack, as uh, as Don pointed out. Um, but we also had a another show that just happened recently: the Game Awards. Wait, Jeff the Game Keely- Awards happened? <laughs> Oh, oh, is that uh, is it from a Nintendo fan's perspective that it was a little bit more than a blip on the radar? Uh, the Game I mean, Awards, yeah. 
<laughs> Game Awards, aka I mean, the Nintendo No Show. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, Doug was there. Yeah, like it was funny because Metroid Dread won Best Action Adventure. And so yeah. you see that some of the developers get really excited behind Doug Bowser. And Doug Bowser just gets up and goes up there, gives the most Nintendo corporate, like, thank you speech I've ever heard. And I'm like, oh no. I was like, oh, I, I, like, I love, like, when uh, there's a Ferris got up there for It Takes Two winning game of the year, just seeing, like, that raw passion. Like, that's, I love seeing developers get to express yeah. that. I was. I was shocked when, well, about two things. First, um, them winning Game of the Year. I definitely thought that other contenders would have happened, like Deathloop. Oh, um, yeah. Them winning is actually a very positive thing, because I don't feel like, especially when the pure raw emotion of that game is involved in how it's set up with the two co-op players, I never thought that would actually happen. Uh, and secondly, them winning Family Game okay. is yep. is the biggest BS that I've ever heard <laughs> oh, in my entire the life. BS. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because, jokingly, this category is colloquially colloquial referred to as the Nintendo category because yeah, yeah. generally it's made uh, so Nintendo be, wins. Let's, uh, let's be real here. They have they have a few times they have not won it before. So that I'm is not true. really yeah, I'm not yeah. really upset about that. The reason why I don't think It Takes Two is best family game is because of certain scenes in that game. So it's, you don't think the material is appropriate for being a, classified as a family game? Yeah, because okay. there are certain there are certain scenes that are really gut wrenching, and I'm not sure how people are like, yeah, this fits in the family category. Let's put it in there. <laughs> I'm going to be playing it later this month, um, so I so I have it played through for for our own personal Easy Allies Game Award, Game of the Year Award contender yeah. debates. Um, but as far as I understand, the game is about a family, though, literally a family, like yeah. the parents and their kids. So maybe they were going with that. Like, it's literally a game about family and like maybe it's a more mature game for like, you know, for families to play together to, you know, mm. you know, if they think their kids are a little bit more mature to handle it. But at, at the same time, there were some pretty heavy hitters this year in that category for the four other nominees from Nintendo. So it was, I, I think because it won game of the year it had to win that category i think that the whole weird logic of when something wins some right. category and beats these other games how could it lose to the other games yeah. the other category the weird I, I, game I mean, awards don't logic. Get me wrong. i'm happy it won game of the year i just don't think it really fit that specific category very well that's it's fair i yeah. think you're, i think your your statement here is fair that it, it yeah. could have been in a different category yeah. um th you know what i want to say this i feel like there was a tiny bit of nintendo news just a tiny bit um, and it was more of like an update and a reaffirmation of something. Um, Self and I were kind of talking about this a little bit before we began recording. And that was the 2022 montage video they showed for, for the Switch. Mm -hmm. And they showed the releases they expect to come in 2022. And as of December of 2021, the sequel to Breath of the Wild was in that montage listed as a 2022 game. Now, at E3, yeah. they said they're shooting for that. And they did in a, a recent uh, in one of their financial updates. It was also listed there as a 2022 game. Um, I, I feel like every month that goes by that it's still officially said it's 2022 is, like, reason to be optimistic, to keep believing it's going to hit next year. So I don't know if, like, you that even crossed your mind or if the, I'm, I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here with uh, that, that, that montage, but it gave me a little bit of hope. It was like, there's something here to be, ex like, happy about. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the plan was to get to 2022. So it, to me, it's not really a shock. Uh, I'm just saying, until we have an actual release date, I'm still kind of <laughs> skeptical, as always. Yeah. 
because this has happened before. Yep, I know, I know. I'm doing this to myself. Yeah. I don't think you're making a mountain out of a molehill about it because if it wasn't in that montage, there would have been a hundred articles, a hundred videos discussing why it wasn't in that montage. So, you know, I think it was, I think it was important that it was there. And yeah, um, you know, I think this is probably one of Nintendo's biggest internal projects ever. I know the, the original breath of the wild was like 300 people. And since then, like monolith soft who helps the Nintendo team is like grown by a hundred employees Hmm. So, I mean, I, I think, like, they're putting a lot of people into this to make sure it hits probably the November um, 2022 spot that they love, um, you know, for further big holiday release. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I am I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm, even if they give a release date, I'm going to be skeptical because they've been known <laughs> to delay Zelda games. Um, it's happened a lot. It's kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Like, I'm not going to be surprised if we don't hear about it again until, like, E3, and then that's the big blowout. And then we get, like, multiple Treehouse events, and it's like, okay, now it feels like a real thing, and it's coming out in the, during the holiday. Um, but, yeah, I think it, like, ha- it had to be there. Otherwise, it, that's all we would have been talking about post-show. Very true. Very true. Um, hmm. Just getting, uh, like... Uh, we're talking about release date. We need to get like the damn title for it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, just even the title is going to be a spoiler. Yeah. They said it's like, all right, well, we got to get to that point where we have an official title. Then maybe we'll get a date. I think it's going to come out all at once. The date and the title. Yeah. And, and and I would not be shocked. I'm with you. I'm with you, Stealth. I think E3. If it's not, and we'll get to it maybe a little bit later. But if there's no events before E3 to announce new stuff, I think E3 at the very least. If it's coming out this year, we're gonna we're gonna see it. Um, right. Another yeah. highlight. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no. One thing I just wanted to mention. Like, I didn't have any problems with any of the awards per se, just because I don't take them super, super seriously. Um, but the 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 RPG award is. A I was gonna ask. That's what I was gonna just ask you about. Was the RPG? Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a continual sore point with me. Um, <laughs> so you didn't think Tales of Arise deserved to beat SMT five? <laughs> uh, well, well, not. Even putting that aside for a little bit, um, Cyberpunk should not have been oh. in that category at all. Absolutely, um, yeah. That, that was that was kind of like what the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, what? And also, <laughs> and also I, I love Monster Hunter Rise. Fantastic game. That should have been in the action category. Oh, their um, category on, stuff is so weird, yeah. man. Yeah, like we like even during our reaction. I know you say didn't get to watch themselves, but during our reactions, we, we, like a lot of us were just like. We, these category things are so weird how the Game Awards does it compared to how yeah. we personally do it. We actually try and avoid categories in our awards because they're such a dated way to to classify things. And yeah. it just makes no sense sometimes. I'm with you on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, those two, like, even nominations I would have switched out. Um, but in, in terms of Tales of Arise winning, um, you know, it's, it's a very, very good game. Um, and I did beat it. Um, and it, it does deserve it. In, in my opinion, there's just a bunch of like really, really good JRPGs mm-hmm. this year that are kind yeah. of like in that same upper echelon. Like, you know, Tales of Arise could have won, which it did. SMT5 could have won. Even Monster Hunter Stories 2, I thought, was incredible. Um, so it, it was a very strong year for JRPGs, and I'm very, very glad Cyberpunk didn't win because I was very afraid <laughs> that, that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so really, if anything <laughs> beats Cyberpunk, I was happy about it. 
it's funny that you guys uh, complain about the genres because I made, I think, a tweet two months ago. It's like, I reject the idea of genres. I'm going to give every game a two cents description that still makes zero sense and gives you zero explanation whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember having to write that type of stuff back at game trailers back in the day, and it was just like. Mm. So it just makes things feel so procedural. I, I don't know that type of classification yeah. and categorization just starts to make games mm. feel like not like emotional experiences if, and more like right. products. Products. Like yeah. if, if if you look for example at the eShop, it's not unusual now to see three different genres under a game title. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's it. Like the, the games have evolved past like it's it's so hard to classify. That's why it's like keywords now. Like oh, it's like meta tags that help you figure out you know if you're right. searching for it that that's it because it appears under so many different interests and I, I would just kind of wish it would evolve but i think it's just the nature of like the game awards is that, that that's like a history and like gaming media gaming culture that categories have been a thing like that and for sure they like it's a, like they don't have every single cat i mean they do have a lot they like have but like they start to blur some of them again like it's like esports racing or sports racing is like its own thing now like they, they don't separate those two um, I, I imagine at some point... It's, it's, it's like also not really fair for, for certain games. For example, I think that Forza Horizon, for example, is much more than a racing game because it has so mm. many vehicles going on when it comes to story or how the game is preceded that it doesn't feel exactly like it fits the racing category very well. Yeah. Um, at that's... least I'm glad it, it, it won, like, innovation when it comes to accessibility because it did really deserve that. Oh, man, that. yeah. Yeah. That, that uh, was it. Daniel Blowerth was, like, showing off that game recently to us on a group stream and... Man, that the, the accessibility stuff like that—they went above and beyond. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. I will say yeah, another man. highlight to me for the Game Awards um, also kind of speaks to the soundtrack of this game, which is kind of funny. Um, the, the the orchestra performing music from all the Game of the Year nominees, and then when it got to Metroid, because hearing some of those, like, I'm not going to deny that like the other games have great soundtracks, but it, to me, it basically was like the like they were okay sounding music at, at, uh, performed by a really good orchestra, and then when it got mm -hmm. to Metroid, it's like, oh man, this music was meant to be played like this. I was like, it's so good, but I was also like, wow, it's just the theme song <laughs> because there was a lot of criticism about Dread not having a very strong soundtrack overall. I'm like, so they went like it, it seemed obvious that they went with the theme song to to represent that game. So, but on a positive note, like it was just fantastic hearing that uh, performed mm. by like a live orchestra. It was like just it was like yes, it's just so that, good. That reminds me of, of of a few fan albums like Harmony of Hunters, which does a lot of like orchestrated stuff of Metroid, which mm. is really lo looking into. Um, yeah, I like metro music, but especially with that sort of formula, it just hits different. Yeah, I mean, at that point, we were more than like three hours into the show, including the pre-show, so I was already pretty drained. So I was listening, but I wasn't really watching. But then when like the Metroid music kicked in, I, I immediately switched back um, <laughs> because yeah. it was so good. Hmm. Like I love when companies. I mean, I love when Sony does the live orchestra when they were at E3 back, you know, back in the day. <laughs> this point. Remember yeah. the good old days of 2018. And even before <laughs> that, when Nintendo had live conferences yeah. and having like the orchestra come out and play the Zelda music, it was the, yeah. the, just stuff like that is just that makes it worth it having a live event. Is those those are the things that are like to me are like I'm interested in this. I want more of this, and you know it, that that was one of the, like the the. That, shining points of the shining moments was, for me in the game awards that was e3 2010 
Yeah. Holy uh, snap, that feels like forever ago now. I know, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and that was yeah. like the 25th anniversary. <laughs> it's like 10 years ago. Yeah, we're in the 35th anniversary yeah. now. So, well, um, Game Awards, I, I do think maybe they went over a little bit better to wrap this up. I think they went over a little bit better here in terms of pacing. So someone who watched it real time throughout, mm. it didn't feel as long as before. I, um, I, would, I would say the second and third hour dragged a lot, especially yeah. the second hour. I felt that a lot of that stuff could have been formatted in like 15 minutes instead of 45. <laughs> yeah, they, they they packed every major announcement into that first hour. And then like yeah. it felt like the second hour was like for the commercial break and then the music. Um, and then the third hour also felt like it was really dragging. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a three and a half hour show, including the pre-show. Um, so it, it, it's a long, long show. Um, right. you know, I'll, I'll, I mean... Like, for me, I don't know if the pacing was the issue or the fact that I'm just not the audience for those games, for a lot of the games. Um, it's probably just I'm not the audience for the game, so it felt like it took 10 hours to me. Um, because, like, all, all the announcements, like, I really cared about happened in the pre-show, like with Capcom and Atlas. That's true. Maybe. And also, it was interesting that some of that stuff was just in the pre-show and not in the main show. Um, it's also probably just a different dynamic. I'm being – I'm with – bunch of other people watching it like yeah. live and we're right. supposed to be reacting to it so it probably made that feel like it went a little bit faster i do know whenever i was on the outside looking in watching the game awards like from home they do feel like they tend to just like it's like my gosh these are so long i'm gonna go do something else for this like and they definitely have that formula you just said stealth and and, and don they they pack stuff into that first hour they slow the pace down in the middle with like a bunch of like kind of like filler mm. stuff and then they try and ramp it up to like a big announcement at the end. And like honestly, I was saying to you earlier, self, um, for our listeners and viewers, uh, I love The Matrix, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite franchises. Despite the second, third film maybe not being as strong, and I'm very uh -huh. much looking forward to Resurrections. But that finale, while I was it was interesting to me, and I, I liked seeing Karrion Moss and, and and Keanu Reeves together. That was not. The big spectacular finish, I think, that right. was there. I, I mean, the I demo say, was though, great. Yeah, I, I played through that demo. The demo is actually really well made. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they could have presented it a little bit different. But yeah. I think that's the main issue with it. I don't think yeah. I have as much of a problem with it as, say, Fast and Furious Crossroads, oh, which turned out to be terrible. <laughs> that was... That yeah. might have been a lower point for I, sure. I just think that, yeah, I mean, everyone w was expecting a big Nintendo announcement, and it just didn't happen. So I think, like, anything that wasn't, like, Breath of the Wild 2 level was going <laughs> to be disappointing people. I, I, I think, to me, the main issue to me is that I didn't expect all too much, but also realizing that last year there wasn't much Nintendo stuff either. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they they still had, like, the big Sephiroth reveal, and that was actually, I think, the biggest moment of the show of last year was, yeah. was probably Sephiroth oh, yeah. being in Smash Brothers, and that was the very first thing. Um, and when we started to get to Hour 2, I was starting to wonder, you know, would he save it for the end if Nintendo was there, or would he make that the very first thing? Um, and, then, and then I was starting to realize it would probably, I think, Nintendo just bailed on the show this year. Yeah. They ran out of Smash characters. There's no more. So, <laughs> damn it, Sakurai. <laughs> Stop being so lazy. He no, ruined the show. <laughs> he ruined the show. Uh, it's, but, always, it's always Sakurai's fault, isn't it, somehow? It's always Sakurai, <laughs> always. man. Sakurai, you're letting us down. I do have a quick question from a patron of ours, from Raul. 
Um, with the Nintendo sitting out the Game, uh, Game Awards this year, do you think that they possibly have some event planned coming soon? Or I mean, do you think we're going to have yeah. to wait till E3? I mean, there will always be Nintendo Directs. I yeah. feel that, um, honestly, I feel that they thought it wasn't necessarily needed. But then when people went outpouring after the financial meeting <laughs> on yeah. social media, people were like, we still want Directs. Um, so I still have the feeling that they're going to do them more regularly once next year hits. I, I, I don't know when. I wouldn't yeah. know, but like February, March or something seems yeah. logical. I mean, Nintendo like has a schedule they try to keep. Obviously, there's variation, but they have a direct in like February, March, E3, September. Um, then they sprinkle like indie directs and Pokemon directs throughout the year. But like the next major direct is probably February, March. Um, I, I like the, this is this is my maybe this is a tangent somewhat. I hate people calling everything a direct nowadays. Nowadays. Oh yeah. I do. I'm guilty. So you mean it. from Nintendo, just within Nintendo context, or just like in general, like so? Like, so, state yeah. of, state so because it, it's not called an indie direct, it's called indie, indie world. world. Yeah. It's yeah. not called indie Pokemon direct, it's Pokemon it presents. presents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it. But yeah, I understand that. But I also have to yeah. recognize it's like it's the shorthand. Like everyone, even people <laughs> call state of play like the Sony PlayStation Direct. You know, like yeah. But is, I, I yeah. also, I'm also from the ilk that directs bring us up from different idea than what True. the other two presentations okay. present because po pokemon seems to more doing deep dives on the games that yes. have coming up indie direct seems more smaller bursts on both games that are coming after the presentation and games that are coming like in the immediate future on the eShop. so i think every like distinct distinction has something different to it and different flavor so calling everything a direct brings an expectation that doesn't really exist yeah, even Nintendo calls, they have the mini directs, they literally, that's what they're literally called, to like yeah. set expectation. Then they have the, like the partner, uh, what are they called? Partner Presents or Partner Showcase. Directs? Partner Showcase. That's showcase. why they put, yeah. but that's why they put Partner Showcase in the name, to set expectations well, that way. I think those are done. I think those were yeah. just like a, a yeah. thing to deal with during the COVID, like when COVID was like wreck, yeah. wreaking havoc the most on like their workflow. But I think now, like this past year has shown that they're, at least from a marketing standpoint, they can, uh, Mm -hmm. They, they want to get things back to normal in terms of their marketing um, processes, basically. So, like, we right. had multiple proper yeah. Nintendo Directs this year, and I expect yeah. we will have a proper Nintendo Direct probably in the first half yeah. of next year. I agree with you. And the Direct is also, like, an old concept. I don't know if people realize October was the 10th anniversary of Nintendo Directs. That and was a shock. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. The first, one, the first one was randomly just a... So, when the first one happened... Uh, I noticed because I was there. So they still called it a 3DS follow-up presentation from the live presentation the month before in Japan. And then literally one minute, yeah, we're calling it Nintendo Directs now. I'm like, okay, cool. And then it stuck for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also remember some people saying that, you know, because Nintendo didn't show anything, maybe they were having, like, development troubles or something with their, you know, timelines. But... The fact is, if you look at their 2022 lineup right now, it's very, mm. very strong. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that's not really, like, I, I don't think you could point to that as a potential reason why they weren't there. I just didn't think they wanted to be there. I, I yeah. think oh, there's also a bunch of stuff that they're just holding close to their chest. They always are. Yeah. And when they would drop it during a next Nintendo Direct or something during E3 or random Twitter announcement, like, Nintendo doesn't always sit in the same line as we think they do. Very, very, very true. 
And I, I, I'm, I'm with you that they're, next year is shaping up to possibly be as strong as 2017 for them. Yeah. And that was like one of the strongest years for Nintendo ever. And, and, and I, I think they have a very, I want to believe they have a very coordinated marketing plan prepared for next year because I think they gotta come I think they're gonna come swinging out of the gates early there I think I think the direct is probably I know guessing when is always a, a F, an exercise in futility when it comes to Nintendo like right. people try and like use historical data but like I, I do think they're waiting for Pokemon Legends to come out and it's like alright here we go we're gonna like hit you with like what's coming out at least in the first half of this year here's our announcements and I think they have like they, they're setting up for such a strong lineup because <laughs> They, 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 the next gen, the PS5 and Xbox Series XS are going to start hitting their stride probably mm. in this coming year. They need to have their heaviest hitters this year to, to I, go against that. I wonder if they already have, like, because we know what's January going to be like. Because, yeah. like, the first half is likely going to be, like, the N64 release of Benji Kazooie, and then the second half is going to be about Pokemon. But I wonder, do they already have, like, February and March games dated? No. Um. I, well, they they have um brave. They have a triangle strategy. Triangle dated strategy March. is March. Uh, yeah. They don't they don't have anything for February. We know Kirby is spring. That that that's really the major game that they have right. to date. And Advance Wars is April. Correct. We, they, well, it was leaked on the eShop. They haven't yeah. officially announced it, but we're pretty sure. I, I yeah. I think the, the direct will probably give dates for Kirby. Yeah. Uh, for uh, for Kirby uh, Lost Planet. Um. For. Advance Wars for Advance Wars and yeah. possibly one of those other games like may- like maybe Splatoon three will make it out in the first half somehow. Um, seems like I wouldn't, it's the be game. Surpri- I wouldn't be surprised to see. It's that one of the made. games that seems like it's yeah. further along. Um, yeah, and it possibly would be ready to go. And then E three would probably be like okay stuff like Bayonet. Like we might get updates on Bayonet and Breath of the Wild in like a, in a yeah, first yeah. half direct, but I think E three will be like. If Breath of the Wild is coming out in November, second half of the year, what you think it is, that's going to be like its big presence there. Probably see Bayonetta right. there. Um, yeah. You know, anything else that was in that montage, I'm forgetting at the moment, sorry, right. would probably be in the second half. Oh, uh, the Wild Card for me is one Mario and Rabbit sequel is coming out. Um, yeah. That I don't know how far along that really is or not. What they showed off made me think, oh, this looks maybe far. But then when you look at the footage, they don't show off that much variety yet. So I think maybe it's a little bit earlier than we thought. We'll have to see. Yeah. The first Mario and Rabbits came out August. So I could see that being another summer game. Um, yeah. And then the, in the Bayonetta, um, I'm not sure where, where that would be. But yeah, and then there's also, you know, rumors of a Metroid Prime remake and then yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And then everything they'll announce in those couple directs. Like, the, I think there'll be a few months next year where Nintendo has multiple releases just because it's stacked. Mm hmm. No, uh, Don, you mentioned uh, Banjo-Kazooie coming to N64 in January. I, I yeah. did want to talk about that a little bit because Paper Mario just hit the N64 online right. service. Uh, for the exp- If you're an expansion pack tier uh, subscriber, they announced Banjo-Kazooie one month later. So do we think they're going to do this like monthly trickle now with the- these games? They kind of have to if they're asking more of a premium for it. Like The thing is with the expansion pack is that Considering they're asking a significant more amount of money, especially if you're a solo subscriber, not so much if you have family plan with a bunch of friends, um, they need to make that worth it. Um, at least starting with one game per month is at least a start, but that also makes you question, are there still NES or Super Nintendo games? Yeah. Where are other Genesis games? 
because like with just one N64 game next month and not updating anything on the Genesis side and leaving NES and Super Nintendo in limbo, I still think there's a lot of questions there. Good point. Um, do we think maybe this one announced Banjo because it's such a big deal and probably is, like, the so. most attention-grabbing yeah. headline? Like, I, yeah. I can see, like, maybe in another week or two, oh, here are the other Genesis games coming in January. We just yeah. didn't want to, like... But they had been doing, like, the SNES and NES games kind of, like, in that social media post whenever they do that short video clip. They're like, here's right. what's coming this month. I, I guess I kind of assumed that N64 and Genesis would get its own kind of combined video each month right. if they're going to do that. Yeah. So... Yeah, that that is a good thing. Like it does. Like people are probably wondering. Well, you announced these N sixty four games. What what else? And then even if they announce the Genesis games, you, fair point. When's the next time you think we're going to see NES and SNES games get added? Because they seem so sporadic at this point. Yeah, they haven't updated the NES and Super Nintendo side since July. I feel like I, I was like. Wait, are you, was there? Oh man, that that's that long ago. That's they they get they get you with that. And there's obviously a lot of games that are not on that service, for, especially yeah. from the SNES standpoint. Um, and it's like, at this point, I'm almost like, if you're not going to put them on that service, can you at least make them available to buy? Something about like, like a Chrono Trigger, Super Mario RPG. It's like, for just, sure. yeah. just yeah. put a Square Enix collection or something on there. I just want to play these games on my Switch. Not to mention, I know we're getting off like like legacy console stuff here, but still legacy <laughs> stuff. Where the hell yeah. the Pixel remasters Square Enix on consoles? Like, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> like, where are they? Like, what's going yeah, I mean, on here? I, I've been hoping that Square Enix is going to wait to bundle them into like a one to six collection on consoles and yeah. not sell them like individually. Like, that's my big hope. But T to be yeah. fair, selling them separately is a Square Enix move. Yeah, it is. It's a big Square <laughs> Enix move. And not putting them on consoles at launch, like that's what everyone wants is also a big Square Enix move. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we were joking. We were talking a little bit earlier about Square Enix. Uh, the Square Enix tax coming back with the, the Forspoken and the Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, Intergrade PC pricing. Them trying to bring next-gen pricing to PC games with uh, there being their $70 in the U.S., 80 euros over there. And uh, uh, and it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Square Enix is going to Square Enix, I guess. You know, they, they're notorious. Remember the DS days? Like that $5, $10 markup on all their games. <laughs> Even above first-party Nintendo games. Like, wow, Square, you're a... Uh, wow, this is a premium you're paying. So not really a surprise. I mean, I, I remember when they had like, like $29.99 mobile games. <laughs> I remember when they would make, when they would state, hey, we have big announcement coming, and it would just be a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, yes. I, I and then at the same time... Like the countdown days, yeah. where they would have countdown to a countdown. Yeah. And, and, the, and then, like, the biggest shocker of this year is how little they put marketing into Neo The World Ends Review. Gosh. Yeah, that, that, that was a crime. Yeah, yeah, we never really talked about that on Friend Code. Uh, Bradley Ellis here at, at the Easy Allies uh, played and reviewed it. He's a really big uh, World Ends With You fan. Me too. Um, and it was kind of disheartening to see that statement come out. Uh, while critically it was well met, it fell below their sales expectations, a statement from Square Enix. So that probably, I mean, we never really talked about it on the show, but I mean, I guess my interpretation is that th um, they'll explore the World Ends With You through other media if they want, but probably not another standalone game coming anytime right. soon yeah I, th I think my main issue is that they didn't just simply didn't market it like i've seen very little marketing of that game around it came out yeah. 
Do you blame Square Enix for that, or do you maybe blame Nintendo for that? Because I don't remember how that publishing deal worked out. I blame Square Enix. Well, Square Enix. Okay. Square Enix yeah. is the one publishing it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if, I if you look it. back, if you look back to their E3 presentation, that was 45 minutes. Uh, Neo: The World Ends with You had five seconds in a oh. reel of multiple titles at the end. They didn't even give it any time in their own presentation, and the game I was mean, coming out a couple months later. I mean, the marketing is still all over the place. If you I don't for sure think that some people don't even realize that True Colors is now on Switch. Yeah. Oh, because it came out after its initial release date. Yeah, it was delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just randomly dropped out of nowhere on Switch that. digitally. Okay, a, sure, I a, man. I do have a feeling that a lot of people probably don't want to play it on Switch. Yeah. I don't know how well it will I mean, run. I mean, there's always a few people that want to play it on that's Switch. That's true, that's true. Yeah. It yeah. does have some audience, but... Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you compare it to how, like, because Nintendo was publishing Triangle Strategy, they put it in multiple directs, they've tweeted about it. Like, Nintendo is marketing their, their, their quote-unquote Square Enix game more than, you know, Square Enix has marketed some, 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 some of the games on Switch. I, 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 I take this as the biggest example, um, Dragon Quest XI. They mm. marketed that one to beyond yeah. what anyone would expect them to. And mm. then... Square Enix can even not be bothered to the game they're publishing themselves on PlayStation 4 and Switch to give that enough marketing and love that it deserves because it's a beloved sequel to a game that everybody liked. Well, a sequel to a beloved series that everyone liked. Um, hopefully. I don't know if everyone liked it, I guess. <laughs> Shouldn't the majority of people enjoyed that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also We're not should... way too old, though, but sure. <laughs> I was going to reference, uh, I was trying to make a joke about Shin Megami Tensei Five because yeah. the, the reception of that game, because we also talked about how it didn't win the uh, best RPG category. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Small little headline today. Uh, it, got a, it got a patch update today, and that patch removed the reference to the PlayStation 4 configuration for the game. <laughs> Even though the cat's out of the bag ready with that. So I guess... Uh, this is funny that, uh, that 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 they did an update like that. I mean, that had to be like a, a contractual thing where it's like, guys, get that out of there. We know everyone's gonna know, but like, yeah. just do it because don't you don't want to get into legal trouble or something. But that game is absolutely coming to like PS4 and, and PC and stuff. So, I, I guess my question is, I mean, one, this is like it's obviously that's like funny to see something like this happen like this small little thing like this like mm -hmm. how the, what will set off a company to like freak out and like do something like that but also do you think this means smt5 coming to other platforms uh is it gonna be do you, do you think it'll have like a second wind possibly or do, how do you yeah how do you interpret this sure. coming to other platforms yeah i mean A A atlas has made a real effort to make their games multi-platform now um you know we have the rumor of SMT5 coming to PS4 and PC, um, but Switch has been getting, you know, 13 Sentinels. That was a PS4 exclusive. Yeah. And, and now, um, like, Persona 4 um, Arena Ultimax is mm -hmm. now Switch, PS4, and PC. So I think as much as they can, um, Atlas now is trying to put things on Switch, PS4, PC. I also think that Atlas was too reserved for the majority of its life and kind of needs the expansion desperately. Like, having your game on multiple systems is never a bad thing if it helps you to sell units. Very true. Yeah. I mean, it seems so obvious, but then you look at, we just talk about Square Enix, I mean, 
they have, especially like Final Fantasy VII Remake, you know, it's finally coming to PC, but still not Xbox. And it's like, is that actually, in the long term, is that hurting something like a, a big, huge, monumental tentpole event like Final Fantasy VII Remake by, it was on PS4, PS5, now PC, and, and still no Xbox, versus when it launched last in 2020, if it was on all platforms from the get-go. Is is there a point where, like, even a, weird, a year exclusivity, the money getting paid for that, isn't offsetting like the, the 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 like I don't want to call it damaging. It's not really damaging the brand, but it's like preventing it from reaching its probably like its potential. I feel like I, I don't right. know. Like I don't know if there's any history of like indicating. The only thing I can think of is Tomb Raider when they did the second Tomb Raider of the reboot series. When it was that like exclusivity, it seemed to like not has fared as well. And when it came out on other yeah, platforms, the, it was too late. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like the price dropped quicker. When it was only on one platform, especially in retail, um, I don't want to be also like the mean to Square Enix hour, but <laughs> um, uh, the Avengers game with Spider-Man, Spider-Man oh. only just released on on the PlayStation platforms, and it didn't, it wasn't a good addition to that game to begin with, and they and they held that carrot for over a year. Like Spider-Man is coming to the PlayStation version. Do you, do you want to rub more salt in the wound? Not only was the uh, it, the unceremonious arrival of Spider-Man and Avengers happened, but they were outplayed by Epic with having Spider-Man and Fortnite and people it's saying Spider-Man and Fortnite's better than Spider-Man and Avengers. <laughs> it's like he plays better. Like the swinging yeah. is better. It's like, oh my gosh, that's the worst right there. That's that's so bad. Uh, uh, but hey, hey, hey the, some positives. You know, positive score next, you know. Final Fantasy 14 and Walker launched, you know, doing very well. So, you know, it's not like, you know, say something. I'm saying something nice here, balancing it out, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Did you yeah. know that you can play Final Fantasy 14 for free for, with the first two expansions after level 60? Stop. He <laughs> <laughs> this right now. <laughs> All right. The meme. The, this is the Square Enix meme episode. I'm just going to put the title. Square Enix memes. I'm literally just calling this episode that. That's what's happening. <laughs> well, hmm. moving on from Square Enix to Nintendo RPGs, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, having coming out in November. Right. Um, just a quick, brief reception update. Uh, Sales-wise, it's doing great. Uh, Six million worldwide, according to GameBiz.jp. Um, that's on par with Sword and Shield's sales in the same time period. Um, mm -hmm. Decently amount, decent amount above where Let's Go Pikachu Eevee was at at the same period. So financially, you know, Game Freak and Pokemon Company are, seem pretty happy with this, but critically might be another story as we, we were hey, seeing. Hey, one second, one second. Game oh, Freak oh. was not involved with this one. That's right. Uh, yeah, see the Ilka. Ilka, thank you. Which completely sounds for we love computer computer or something thank you for calling yeah. me in on that but like so maybe yeah. this is maybe i mean i was gonna say maybe the sales would put some pressure on game freak but at the same time this game is getting some fair criticisms about it yeah. and it's like is it because of ilka's first time trying this was there some oversight that was you know holding about who knows but fairly there is criticism about the game from everything from its presentation to its last lack of risk taking <laughs> sorry there and right. I'm just curious, you know, how uh, from what you've played, uh, how you feel about these games. So uh, it did was I played for it pre them patching the game, but the game overall was pretty buggy, and it wasn't very hard to find glitches in this specific version of Diamond and Pearl. 
Um, obviously, they fixed it now, uh, but it didn't stop speedrunners from already completing the game in under 20 minutes. <laughs> That's just insane. <laughs> um... But, but, yeah, about, uh, but from a more casual perspective, yeah. so the way that I play the game. Um, I mean, it didn't take much risk. I mean, it's still Pokemon for me. It's comfort food. So I'm not l overly critical, but I'm also at the same time, I felt especially after the risks they took deliberately with Sword and Shield, I would have wanted them to take a few risks to add more story like they did with... Omega Ruby or Alpha Sapphire at the end, or bring features back that they didn't want before. They did bring back the un the, the Union Room, which I'm like, I mean, is that really necessary in 2021? Yep. <laughs> um, um, so in those regards, it's it's strange how little risk they took. I enjoy a bunch of the initial features that they added, like the Grand Underground, for example. I uh, think I've spent like half of my time I spent there. Um, but if there was more stuff like that, um, I would have likely have a higher opinion of it. And right now, for me, it's just, it's a fine game. All right. Fair, fair. What about you, Stuff? Yeah, yeah so... Um uh, honestly, like I kind of enjoyed my my time with the game. Um, obviously, there wasn't a lot of risk taken. It was a pretty one to one translation of the original. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there wasn't a lot of risk taking. Um. But I, I really did enjoy it. Um. And, and the game, the the, the game's difficulty. Uh, I found the game really easy up until like the very end. Yeah. And then like yeah. I've only just started Same. the the post like rematch battles and and I've and I've been heard and I've seen they're like the, some of the hardest in the series. Oh, so for sure. The difficulty at the end is very good. Um, you know, overall, I actually like the games. Would I say they're in my top five JRPGs of 2021? Probably not. Um, but like like Don said, it's comfort food. Um, I yeah. know what I'm getting. And, you know, I can sit back and relax. I don't have to stress too much when playing it. Like, it's not like a stressful game. Yeah. That's a good point to put it, uh, as you put it. Um, because I found myself, I played this in short burst over like probably a few weeks is how mm -hmm. I did my playthrough. I didn't like just power through it or even do like marathon sessions. And despite, yeah, like it being like more the same, it was like, I feel like I can handle Pokemon games, like taking less risk when I'm just playing them here and there, like, you know, maybe an hour here, maybe 30 minutes there. It's just like, it, it, it's, it's like familiar. And uh, as you yeah. said, it's like, you know, I, I, I like this, but at the same time, I do think it's like fair that, people are calling out like why is it missing like there are features yeah. that we thought would be in here and uh I, I know there's some criticism around the presentation as well like the chibi characters um versus seeing them like the more like uh life-size models like when they're in cutscenes or in battles so uh, some of the cutscenes were done in like the chibi models and like these serious scenes where they're supposed to be emotional i mean but that's how they looked back in the day so i was yeah. like i don't know right. if that like if there was if that irked you at all how they how they looked at some points or if you thought it ended up looking fine i thought it was fine yeah um i didn't have any big problems and you know people online always say they want risks but we're gonna really see next month if they're gonna put their money where their mouth is because um, Pokemon Legends probably is taking the most risks of any like RPG Pokemon game in the series, and we'll see if it if, if it could even sell half as much as Diamond as the Diamond and Pearl games do. So we'll, we'll see if people really want like <laughs> super innovation. 
that's also a good point because damned if you do, damned if you don't. And like, yeah. imagine if the, if this game, if Brilliant Diamond Shine Pearl had taken a bunch of risks and people hated them, you'd probably see just as many headlines about, man, why did you just make a one-to-one remake? I just wanted the re- game remade as yeah. is. How many times have we seen remakes of stuff and people are like, just make the thing as was. And then when you do it, people are like, oh, why isn't there extra stuff? Like, I, I don't know how you win that fight, which is why I tend to like think remakes are like one of the riskiest, scariest propositions right. you can do because you are fighting against so much. Um, and there's like such a narrow margin to like success. <laughs> I, I, do, I do feel that in some ways, like, they're losing their longevity a little bit when it comes to Pokemon games. Like, mm. if you brought back the Battle Frontier, for example, I would be completely fine with that because it would feature more longevity beyond just playing the game and finishing the Pokédex. And I think they kind of moved away from that in some regards. Um, like, I still enjoy them. I still play through them. So they must still be doing something right. But, like, for like for me, as the longevity of the game is... Is concerned. That's where I really struggle with Brain and Shining Pearl because I still play Sword and Shield to this day because because of the Dynamax adventures, because of the stuff that you can do with your friends. It feels more interactive and dy- dynamic in that regard. Um, and before this game even came out, they literally said, uh, "Oh, this is all went and good, but the main meta is still in Sword and Shield." So see you guys later. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, Sword and Shield is a big game now, especially with the expansions. Yeah. Um, like it's a big game, and you know, I feel like the 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 the, the Elite Four and the Gym Leader rematches, um, in, in Diamond and Pearl are really really good, and that's like halfway to getting like really good post game content, and like the Battle Tower is there, hmm. um, but like it it would have been. I would have shut a lot of people up if they had like the full battle frontier from from Platinum. This patron question comes from Cathal Fallon. Um, from the online discourse, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl appears to be a broken mess from bugs and exploits to being able to beat the game with only one battle or moving past trainers with diagonal running without them seeing you. Do you think Game Freak will allow a third party developer to do another remake for them after this? That's uh, okay. So my theory on that is that I think Game Freak will be less inclined to do so. Because they... The Game Freak, like the higher management Game Freak, still, are still on the board of the Pokemon company. So they want to maintain a certain... a certain grade of quality. And despite what you think about certain games from Game Freak, one thing you can never fault them on is that they're full of bugs, because they are not. Um, and they have a very high quality standard when it comes to specifically the bugs department. So I do wonder how they personally feel about Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Because it, it took like two or three full-on patches, because some parts weren't in the game when it shipped on the cartridge. Um, so I'm wondering how they, in this specific instance, like feel about the game. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, you know, Pokemon Company does partner with a lot of different studios. Um, this isn't the first time, and it probably won't be the last. <laughs> um... I do think they'll want to work with them again only because like the game has sold like 6 million units. So like if, if the bottom line is the game sold and did really well and, you know, it did review pretty well, um, maybe that's enough to have the studio get a second chance um, or work on something else with them. Um, if the game like failed, like sales wise, then they probably wouldn't have gotten it. I, yeah. I, I think the sales is probably going to forgive this. Um, 
you know, and, and it's funny because I didn't really like, you know, it, I just played the game like, without knowing how to do any of the, gl- I didn't experience any glitches myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much of it is you have, if you know what, like what to do to get the glitch. Some glitches are just random yeah. occurrences. Yeah. So maybe um, I was, I was just lucky then because I really didn't experience yeah. it. Like, and if you go out of script only a li- little bit, which the game is hard-coded into that, but if you manage to do it somehow, the game would just crash. Um, yeah. But, like, the majority of people who played regularly from point A to point B will never see that yeah. stuff. Definitely. But it, it's still something that I, I give a lot of pause about because I feel, like, honestly, with Game Freak, is the one thing that they always do right is their their quality assurance side of things. So I, yeah. I, I do feel that they have some reservations of asking them again. Might they do it? For sure. I mean, if they don't want a, a similar remake as they did right now, then it makes sense they would do it. Um, it's only the one reservation that I kind of have about that. That's a good point. And to, to the sales point of it, I mean, how much of the sales would have happened regardless because of like this name oh, yeah. recognition? So, But at the same time, I do think they'll probably be rewarded at the very least i could see them maybe working with them again but like game freak has like supervisors attached to some of their teams they'll be like all right you guys are you guys are capable but we just and like this is your first attempt so we just need to get you up to our quality assurance speed here so that we don't have such a buggy launch next next time if we do this and have to rush out patches to fix all this stuff to be fair also and i give Ilka some slack here this was the game first game they built fully on their own because they mostly been throughout their life a support studio so in that regards, I do cut them some slack a little bit. Yeah, it's step up for them. And I will say this, uh, I don't know why, the reasons here, but in the, the Chibi presentation reminded me so much of Link's Awakening from two years ago, um, mm. kind of aesthetically, and it's like, this game at least runs pretty smoothly, <laughs> whereas yeah. Link's Awakening had the frame rate hiccups all over the place. I'm like, well, at least they yeah. could do, like, they, they, they I was like, I'll give them pr- props here. I was like, almost like, hey, can you, like, are we going to do yeah. another Zelda, uh, re- like, uh, handheld remake. Can you do it like in this style, like so it runs? I don't know. That's the. Yeah. I'm just always. Uh, I'm just bitter about that game not running well. <laughs> yeah, and and it feels like you know almost all of Game Freak right now is working on Legends to make sure it hits that January release date. Like I don't think right. we would have gotten these games if oh. they didn't hand them off to somebody. That's. Um, that's. I want to pose this question to you then, Stealth and Don, because you you just reminded me of something by saying that. The, mm-hmm. that that strategy bringing in someone else to bring in the, the to get this game done otherwise it might not have happened because it feels like they're, they're absolutely trying to adhere to that yearly schedule do you yeah. think maybe the yearly cycle for pokemon like making sure that at least one game comes out a year like do you think part of the like there's a potential that this is like suffering from that that maybe they need to space out a little bit more Regardless of shareholders, I know the excuse. I like shareholders, like the I, the financial people. They want this to keep coming out. They yeah. want them to print money. But from a from a consumer standpoint and quality, right. do you think it's suffering because of that? Sure. Uh, here here's my overall feeling of it. Like Pokemon, when I was younger, so when uh, my first Pokemon game was Yellow. When I got it in my hands, it felt like an event. Like every time I played a Pokemon game, it felt like an event happening. Um, with not just Pokemon, but also with, like, say, Mario and Zelda getting something every single year, it feels less of an event now, and only, like, the bigger games in between, say, for Sword and Shield, or, say, a Mario Odyssey, feel like those special events still. 
but everything with like Pokemon, Mario, or Zelda in the name every year, it feels like they had to do it because they have to do for the bottom line, and not because they can. Um, I will say this though, like when I still get excited when certain games hit. For example, I was super excited about po new Pokemon Snap. Like that got me like hyped up in an instance. Um, but it, it it for me it's more depends on the game. Less so the franchise. And I think maybe with Pokemon they need to more focus on like spin-offs. Which they used to do a lot in the day. Especially on the N64 and GameCube. Um, and less so on the mainline games. To be the full focus. Um, because it's not even their biggest... For the Pokemon company wise. It's not even their biggest money maker. It's purely merchandise. They are the biggest media company. They they surpassed uh, was it Hello Kitty, right? They, they're the, yeah, 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 that. So yeah, it's, it's like their gaming stuff was well, big as it is. They're clear like it's other, yeah, other other departments or yeah. divisions are bringing in like you know the the, the lion's share of that wealth. But I'm kind of with you. Like that, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like is like the should like mainline Pokemon entries be a little bit more spaced out and like should they be filling it in with like. Uh, like spinoffs, which I think are risk-taking ed ed endeavors. Like we're mm -hmm. trying something different here. And I think Arceus, Legends Arceus, kind of fits that to to an extent. Yeah. Like they, they're doing that. So next year, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to do something different with this. And if they have a fall Pokemon game not come out, I'm like I don't fault you for that because you were trying no. to make this Arceus, yeah. and like you, that that's fine. I'm I'm I, I can wait until 2023 fall for the next Pokemon yeah. game. Absolutely. For, for me, for me, I'm, lo I'm looking at at sales like winning or failing i'm just looking at is the risk good enough that that they can be allowed to skip a year because mm. you know and we know this very well that after this game is completed someone needs to work on a pokemon game for the next year i'm on that even if it's at the start of the year and they're likely closely done to now considering it's coming out in january someone needs to work on a pokemon game that's coming out in 2022 what it is, we don't know. But the fact that it's coming, because they are now on a yearly cycle, like it still continuously concerns me, especially for the like the mental well-being of developers in themselves. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I think a big part of it too was the fact that we're in like the 25th anniversary, so they're packing all of these games into it. Um, you know, we we've had new Pokemon Snap, Unite came out, um, an update to Cafe came out. Um, Brilliant Diamond and Pearl, and then like Legends, like all within you know a very very short amount of time. Even though they're all they're all not being handled internally, um, it's just a lot of different games happening. Um, and, and and I do think that um, you know there, there there is the potential that you know Legends might be the only Pokemon major Pokemon game in 2022. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Um, you know as they work on the next generation. When, 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 whenever that's going to be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I do think that, you know, they definitely have the ability after Legends to not release another Pokemon game in, 22, in 2022 if they want to. I hope to. so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, that, like that can be it. Like, maybe they'll have, like, an expansion pass to Legends um, where, where, where there'll be a couple other stories. Like, I can see that happening. Yeah. That, um, yeah. But, like, you know, I have felt a little bit of Pokemon fatigue. Um, because I've been playing all these games this year. It's been a lot. My biggest hope is that they take a step back and look at the feedback from Legends and yeah. potentially incorporate what worked, what didn't work, what could mm -hmm. work, or what, what, what consumers asked for 
um, into consideration before taking off to work on their next major project, at least Game Freak proper, um, because I'd like to see the lessons learned from Legends be applied to a future one. And, and I'm, uh, like if that means they need a, a longer development time to make the next mainline Pokemon, um, I'd, I want to see that because like if it takes till fall 2023 for whatever next generation of Pokemon to hit, it's like if they take those lessons, I'm going to be very happy because it's going to probably mean a better Pokemon game versus, no, nah, we're already in development. Like, as soon as we finish the game, we're going to start immediately going into the next game. Um, and we could, like, the feedback, we'll, we'll worry about that later. Like, I, I, I mean, maybe they can do both. I mean, maybe, I don't know enough of their development pipeline to, to say what one way or the other, but yeah, I just sure. really want them to take the lessons learned from that to apply that because as you also point out like the next one might even potentially have the chance to be on a next gen switch or whatever like looking at like a next end of 2023 that might be the time where we're talking about a successor to switch so they might be doing double duty where it's like we need to make a new pokemon generation for a new hardware and we have all this feedback from like a a, a spin-off game that like was more ambitious so Ooh, we got a work cut out for us for like that next one. <laughs> I'll also not be shocked if they do another Let's Go. Yeah, like people thought Let's Go was gonna become like a, a, a maybe a, like a spinoff series, just like some people theorized. Uh, even Roger, uh, when we had him on, Roger's base thought that uh, uh, Legends might become a new series as well if this right. is successful enough. And that, that kind of gets to the point, like maybe they do start need to need to bring on more developers to do these other series to maybe pad out. The, like one a year but that buys them a longer cycle between each game yeah. so maybe mainline Pokemon games come out every two years because you have these other studios working on a Let's Go and a Legends type game in between or you know if maybe Game Freak even expands bigger they have different yeah. departments Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this though about Pokemon on Switch like every game that they've released that's mainline so Let's Go Sword and Shield, Burn Diamond Shining Pearl and Legends uh, has been it, it's this, so art style wise um, and the way that it goes from A to B have been all different from each other which you have to realize that during the 3DS era when we got uh, X and Y and Ruby and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire back to back it kind of felt too similar mm. and with yeah. now with the art styles being different and the way that the game controls different and it goes from point A to point B at least you can say that every game on Switch with its major Pokemon related has been uniquely its own. Yeah, I, I do think that's a good idea. And this year they just did like the side games and the main games all in one year. And then it felt like a lot. Um, yeah, they, they definitely can stretch things out. Um, will they? Yeah. I don't know. The will they <laughs> is the big question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me kind of wrap this up asking you one question about legends because you kind of i think i kind of know your answer stuff because you kind of already answered this but this comes from our patron level capybara reportedly the pokemon diamond and pearl remakes have sold six million in their first week on the market do you expect pokemon legends arceus to do better or worse um well at least in japan pre-orders are tracking lower um will it sell um, over a million units i, I think so um you know if we they, they really haven't started marketing it at all yet like we we don't know a lot about the game we've heard like some rumblings that it, it might be their take closer to monster hunter um and if that's the case like japan's gonna eat that up um but 
is, is it going to sell as much as a main game with this first entry? Uh, I'm just not confident in that. Hmm. What I find interesting is that we're a month and a half away from it, and they've barely started doing the big marketing for it at all. Yeah. Because if you look at Diamond and Pearl, Diamond Shining Pearl, they immediately started after those games were announced, like almost yeah. immediately. It feels like maybe it's because of it's now the holiday season, but everything feels kind of muted. Like there was that recently that trailer for for Voltorb. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, there hasn't been any major news. Yeah, they've been sprinkling like Pokemon reveals, and I think they still have a bunch more of those. Um, they, they, they've been doing a lot of advertising on Twitter um, more so than anything else. Um, I think they probably could use like another Pokemon uh, Presents, Pokemon yeah. Presents. I, I was yeah. not going to say direct. <laughs> um, uh, I, th I think they, they could do another Pokemon Presents just like a 20-minute presentation just focusing on that game, and that would probably go a long way. And, I, and, I, think should, they, yeah. and I think they might do that, actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think... Because we're still kind of in like the diamond and pearl sales cycle, maybe they're like holding back on it. But and, and it does it, it seems unusual. Like we're going from one big Pokemon game to another big Pokemon game. Oh like, yeah, in very short order. And I don't know if that was always intended. And COVID might have had something to do with like this schedule. Um, well, because Advance Wars was supposed to be like in in, Dece in, in uh, December. It wasn't supposed to be like back to back like that, but. Um, yeah, I do think we're, we're still in the diamond and pearl cycle, and then maybe toward the end of the month they'll they'll, they'll kick it into high gear. Yeah, my problem with that is that they only have then a month to build yeah, up. Not a lot. Which they did a few trailers like earlier, I think September, October, around the same time of marketing as Burning Diamond and Shining Pearl. Those trailers should have been now. Like, yeah. Because yeah. now that the game is out and people already have it in their hands, like there are a subset of people that are looking more forward to Pokemon Legends Ar Arceus. And it feels like they haven't done enough time to build that up just yet. And it feels almost doesn't feel like the game is coming out at the end of January. Yeah. That, that's true. I, I wonder if there's any concern over the initial reveals, like the performance of the game. You know, mm. the, the frame rate issues, like maybe they were like, we don't really want to push so hard because people were like, wow, you're just shoving this down our throats and this game looks so rough right now. Do you think maybe that played any factor into I mean, shortening the, the last, it? I mean, the last number of trailers didn't have didn't run with much issue, so I don't necessarily think it's that. Okay. Yeah, I guess the more recent stuff looks much better, in, yeah. in my opinion. So I think they're kind of over that hump and it's like you'd want to put more of that footage out there showing it running pretty well and, and instilling confidence mm -hmm. and, and people looking forward to it. But I, I, I think despite it, maybe not to your liking being enough lead time to, to build up enough momentum or they're not capitalizing on enough momentum by revealing the stuff earlier. I'm kind of with stealth. I fully expect like beginning of January, like to have a Pokemon presents. Like I'm expecting the first week, maybe latest week to having a Pokemon presents that focuses on, I, I thing is, I don't think it's just going to be an Arceus thing. I think there might be like one or two other things in there because like, mm. where's detective Pikachu too? You know, we, we yeah. haven't heard about like that and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, that would be nice to, to hear mm. about that. And te I, technically, technically it's part free. Or part, okay, part three, part three. Yeah. Uh, I because because when they released it in Japan on the eShop, there yeah, was part one and part two. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah. But, I mean, th th there are other things, I think, that are outstanding that they yeah. could give an update to. But, like, 
the mm-hmm. crux of that should be the push for for Arceus. Yeah, and we know there's going to be a Switch Collector's Edition yeah. Arceus or something. Oh, yeah. Um. For so sure. I feel like they're just waiting until like the holidays are over right. or something. But yeah, also, I agree with John that it should it should have happened already. But yeah. I th- things are just weird. Also talking about part three, I think they announced it now almost two and a half years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's... And they still haven't said anything about it, not even a screenshot. And Pokemon Sleep was in that same presentation, I think. And oh, God. Pokemon Sleep. <laughs> if that ever comes out, man, like it, like it, uh, it still exists. Holy I, w- I, want, I want to meet the one person who was super excited about Pokemon Sleep and shake their hand. Thank you for your service. It's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um... I have one final question related to uh, Pokemon looking to the, the future here. It comes from uh, our patron, RJ. Uh, mm-hmm. First time sending questions, long time listener. With games such as Mario Odyssey, Shin Megami Tensei Five, and Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild um, ha- that have some gameplay elements and vibe that brings them back to their roots while also innovating the franchise, what do you think Pokemon should do to achieve similar success? I heard not everyone is impressed with the recent mainline Pokemon despite doing arguably the same formula every game thank you guys keep up the good work so yeah what uh i mean that's kind of the vibe i'm getting from like arceus a little bit but is there like anything else you might want like you always wanted to see them do with a pokemon maybe like a more the mainline entry that you'd like to see them do risk take wise you see, I like the main games, and I kind of like the fact that they don't change. It's something I can like oh, count yeah. on as being the way it is. Um, you know, that's why I, I kind of like the idea of having like split main games where you have like the quote-unquote main generation that's turn-based, and you go around battling in gyms, and that's the way those are. And then you also have like the Legend series that's different, um, that might take place during a different time period that has nothing to do with gym battles. Um, also has new Pokemon, but very, very different. Um, so I, I kind of like where we're headed with like this like split path of, 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 of games here. I, I don't think they would ever try it again, because this is something that they kind of sort of tried with Black and White 2. I think they should bring back adjustable difficulty. I was going to yeah. ask about that. That's one of the things I see so many veterans get up uh, like so even uh, people who have the same mindset of you stealth i'm kind of curious do you like the easy how easy pokemon games are up to a certain point or would you personally prefer to have un- from the get-go like cause, uh, as far as i understand you had to beat it once to unlock the hard mode or have a friend yeah. do something yeah. right so from the get-go if they had a harder difficulty setting for you yeah. would you would you like that actually I mean, I think difficulty options are never a bad thing. Um, I, I don't know why they, they couldn't have like an easy, normal, and hard, um, and give people the option to. Or play just normal and hard on. is fine too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. I, give, give people the options. Like I know Shin Megami Tensei. I think even below casual mode is like safety mode. Um, there, there's like an easier mode than that, and they have normal, and then hard is very, very hard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think Pokemon would do any worse with difficulty options. That just is better for everybody. For me, it comes down to accessibility. I think that Pokemon design hasn't really moved on when it comes to purely accessibility options or options that make the game more enjoyable for more people. Mm. Um, and I think in that specific regard, like there needs to be at least a tiny bit looked at. Um, because... 
you cannot ask people constantly to do the same intro again of learning how to catch Pokemon. Um, this is how you get your first Pokemon. This is how you how you heal them. Like some people kind of want to move beyond that, and I think an adjustable difficulty would at least help levitate that those sort of complaints. Maybe they have a question at the beginning that says, "Is this your first time playing Pokemon?" And if you say no, it would the game would know to like let's skip over some of the more tutorial mm. stuff. I feel I feel. Uh, Fire Red and Leaf Green kind of did that with like the, the the guy that you could access and don't had to go into. Yeah, I didn't play that one. So what, what, how did it handle it? Sorry, it, it was sort of a guide feature that you could turn on and off. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, I mean, and also I, I think some people don't want to wait fifty hours to hit like the hard content, which which you know the 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 the, the, the rematches are very hard. And those are great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. People don't want to beat the whole game just to get to that point. Maybe some people would like the like actual gym battles as you play the game to be hard. Um, I have to imagine difficulty setting the how they would how maybe you would both of you would prefer them to maybe like the ideal ideal version of tuning it harder. What it, it would, would it be like? AI would be more aggressive at exploiting your weaknesses, that type of that, stuff. Or would you want it to go even further and like? Gym leaders have different, like, in gyms there's, like, better, like, more diverse comps for their, their Pokemon parties mm -hmm. so that, like, it requires a little bit, like, it's a water gym, but, like, you're not just getting by with just, mm. I, I, like, I feel, Pikachu. <laughs> so I, I feel like they already are kind of doing that with the Pokemon that you choose for gyms. I think purely when you go to the rematches, like, the AI is much more aggressive. And I think I would kind of like that from the beginning and see how I would handle it. Yeah, like even some of the optional harder battles, not just like the gym rematches, like like the the the, the computer will like switch out Pokemon when it sees a match weakness. Um, like, whereas during the gym battles, they just don't do that regularly. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I do think there's a lot of opportunity to make the like the computers harder um, or be smarter, um, you know, or just even have different moves that might exploit what you have at that time or what you should have at that time, um, you know, to do it that way. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunity to just, you know, increase yeah. some of the metal difficulty. At the same time, I do recognize, I get it. I get why they're not doing it because you just want little Timmy to play for the game and enjoy themselves. Like yeah. I, I was the same that when I was younger, I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, but there is now a, growing population that grew up with Pokemon and the people who are coming in later. Um, at least giving the option, maybe hide it somewhere if you feel that unsure yeah. about it. Um, make it happen somehow. I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, most most JRPGs have it in the option menu that you can access whenever you want to switch it. You pick the difficulty at the start and then anytime you go into the options you can adjust it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it should happen easy, normal, hard. That's a big one. I, I I'm a champion of them of being able to toggle difficulty settings. If you get, if you give you difficulty op options, let players change it even when they're in the game. Locking a file to a, a difficulty setting seems a bit archaic, and especially like games like uh, on our platforms, like anything that has a trophy or achievement related to that. It's like th those feel a little bit dated. I understand people want challenge, and like I'm not getting into the debate. I'm not going to even right. touch a certain debate about difficulty with a certain franchise. I'm staying away from that one. But for yeah. most every other series, um, difficulty options are pretty good. 
Um, Pokemon was never intended to be about like the, the the hardcore challenge, but for as you said, a growing amount of players as time has gone on, they would mm-hmm. like a little bit more pushback. I, I think it would be beneficial to whoever, if it's Game Freak or Elka, whoever is making the next one, to right. consider that option at least. I, I, I also have to consider this: if people didn't want difficulty, the concept of Nuzlocke wouldn't exist. The concept of what? Of Nuzlocke. Yeah, the uh, the uh, challenge that people yeah. do where, uh, you know, you catch the first Pokemon you see, and if a Pokemon faints, they're gone. What? Um, is, I've, 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 I've not heard of this. Wait, wait, wait. wait. It's, it's a growing, popula- uh, growing trend on YouTube and Twitch yeah. for a few years now, where players uh, go to a specific route, they can only catch one Pokemon on that route, and they build up a team that way. But if oh. the Pokemon dies, they have to put it in their box forever, and they count it as dead. Wow. So, but it's self-imposed restrictions, yeah. like to make yeah. the game harder. Okay, yeah. that, like, I, so that that stuff is cool. But like, y- your point is like, there's people want this. They're, they're going to they're, that length like, to if do pe- that. If people already. didn't want a higher difficulty, or subset of people within the Pokemon community didn't yes. want a higher difficulty, the concept that created with Nuzlocke didn't wouldn't have existed in the first place. Gotcha. That may, yeah, that good argument there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just it was not. I, maybe I've heard about that and just forgot about it, but like I was like, I just like, am I not under? Uh, so confused for a second. I apologize. It's okay. It's that's, okay. That's so cool though to, to see that. That reminds me of the was it the Final Fantasy Five Four Job Festa thing they do where in Final Fantasy yeah. Five they have that challenge about like locking like to certain jobs and you have to go. Yeah, mm. like that stuff's always great. Like to do that and games that facilitate that are generally go over better for like you were talking about earlier don longevity your, your concern you said about like pokemon was like longevity with yeah. some of these like this type of stuff will i think help uh players coming back for more when, when, mm. when you don't need to make dlc in the days when there wasn't dlc this is what kept people coming back the games that had these types of options or that incentive that the, the, the like like players would come up with that stuff so no for sure yeah yeah i think don hit it on the head where i think pokemon company is really afraid of kids having trouble getting through the games i think they're like deathly afraid of that um they want as many people to get through the games as possible and i i, th- I think that's really what their big hang up about it is because nintendo nintendo has like i'm trying to think of some recent games like they do difficulties Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so, like, Ma- Master Ball and Breath of the Wild, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, but Pokemon Company is just very, very afraid of of alienating younger gamers with it. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And, and I think you're getting at, like, little, as you're saying, like, little Timmy accidentally picks hard and no one saw him do that. And then he starts crying to, like, mom and dad, why is this game so hard? And they're not very literate about video games. They're like, oh, this one, they don't know how to change difficulty. Like, you were saying, like, maybe hide the option a little yeah. bit to, yeah. for, like, yeah. older gamers who understand it a little bit better. Like, they know where to go. Oh, that's where to do it. But, yeah. It makes, yeah, that, I mean, I understand that. But also at the I, same I do. time. I do wonder if if Legends is going to have a difficulty. Uh, like we don't know a lot about it. I do wonder if it's going to have difficulty settings. Possibly. Because it is more action. It is more action based. So I get that vibe. Yeah, you're right. Because like trying to catch Pokemon when they can attack you as the trainer. I, yeah, I yeah. have a feeling they might have an option. If, if it's not like a hard coded option, there might be like an item or something. It's like, oh, we want to make mm. this a little bit easier for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. 
Um, I want to thank all of our patrons who submitted questions for this episode of Friend Code. If you are a $5 or up patron, you can submit questions for consideration for each episode of Friend Code. Just look out for that post. I'll make it about a week in advance of the episode, so thank you very much. We also have some shout-outs for the month of December 2021. These are our highest patron tier. So shout-out to Althanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Nick and Christian Simniak. Shout-out. Thank you so much. Thank you to both of you for joining me for this episode. I know it's been such a long time, Dan, uh, for, for, for doing this, but Don's for, <laughs> man, I just can't say words today. I'm really bad. But it was a pleasure having you on after almost this like year-long uh, kind of hiatus. So yeah. really, really happy to have you on. It's always a pleasure. So, uh, it's literally thank you. my f- first podcast back, so it, it feels good. <laughs> thank you for taking time out of your, your weekend to, sh- to, to be with us today. And uh, same with you, Stealth. Thank you so much for, uh, for being on again. And uh, sorry it took so long to, to get, you, get you back on here. But, uh, yeah, we were kind of going like back and forth a little bit, but I'm, I'm glad uh, we were able to make it work out. So thank you so much. We've got to look forward to that Monolith Soft announcement. That <laughs> uh, th- th- this is funny real quick. I've had a lot of people, like, it hasn't happened yet, but I have a list of people who have like, hey, when they announce that Monolith Soft game, I want to come and talk about it. It's like, we might have to do like we're a gonna mega have to have a round table. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a round table for that. <laughs> it's like, the, it's like weirdly the most anticipated one to talk about for whatever reason. It's hilarious, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully you get to hear about that in 2022 because I'm also very excited to talk about Monolith Soft and their next project. I'm tired of speculating. Um, I'm tired of all these like blog posts in Japan in Japan about being interpreted as updates. I was like, I want the, <laughs> I want the announcement. Yeah, <laughs> Give me the damn announcement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, not going totally off topic before we we end, but um, yeah, like the Xenoblade Two happened during the 2017 uh, Nintendo reveal event. The, the definitive edition happened during Nintendo Direct. So if it happens, it'll happen in a direct, and that's it. Like I, like, I know people speculated it would happen at the Game Awards, <laughs> but, like, th- th- that's a little too Japanese, I think, for the Game Awards. Um, so I think it'll happen at a Nintendo Direct. Well, let's hope that Direct happens soon and uh, gives us some news. But anyway, uh, thank you both. And, uh, yeah, enjoy your uh, holidays as we go into the holiday break. And to our listeners and viewers, you too, have a, have a good holidays when uh, – the episode after will be our uh, look back at the year, the year in review episode. And then the episode after that will be the big 2022 preview episode where I'll inescapably have to mention Monolith Soft and Xenoblade 3 because it's a possibility. <laughs> but, you know, that's just the, the nature of the work. So, uh, again, thank you so much for your support. And uh, until next time, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. <laughs>